Welcome, I'm Brooke Thompson, and this is Modern Mental Health. The last person I interviewed is a licensed counselor and a UNV professor. His name is Nathan. For um, meeting with me today, um, very few actually were, um, I reached out to about 30 people regarding this topic, and I think you are one of five that got back to me, so it is very, I'm very glad to have um uh ha- to have you <laughs> oh well you're welcome um i'm just gonna start off with the first question um yeah. are you currently aware of any research projects being done in the province regarding mental health um so i i'm actually myself involved in a research project um, in the province um so i'm working on one with uh dr aaron fredericks at st thomas university Um, And we're working with the Mental Health Foundation of Canada. And what we're doing right now is um, looking at um, running or doing research around running a program for LGBTQ plus youth and young adults in particular um, on the impacts of mental health related to COVID and sort of like isolation that's happened because of COVID. So we've been working with the youth and coming up with uh, a program that can be implemented for youth across the province. Um, that are in the LGBTQ plus community to help them. Um, so that's sort of what, that's one project that, that um, I'm working on that I'm aware of. Um, as for other projects, there is, I know there was the, and I know you mentioned in your, in your questions um, with regard to the Lexi Dakin's um, tragic death, uh, that there was a in, like inquiry done and a report done that was submitted to the government around changes that could be made in the system to make it better. I just don't know if there's ongoing, what the ongoing work around that looks like. I just know the report was done, I think, in the early fall. Um, yeah, I uh, very few people were actually able to answer this question because um, I would... Um, I had recently become aware that there aren't, um, there are a lot of research projects being done in the province, but very few are being talked about around the province. Um, there's one that recently came up, um, that is happening at UNB, just like the students, and it's actually been, like, televised, and, like, uh, this has, um, been brought up many times solely because it has been on the news, and, I feel like it is so important um, that people know that research projects are being done in the province and um, for it to not be like publicized or as like talked about um, is just like, it's, it's really sad to hear. Mm. Um, yeah, well, there's, yeah, go the, ahead. The, the way that people, you know, I think there's a lack of, you know, in New Brunswick too, there's not a lot of places to get news that's not all owned by sort of like one um, corporation too. So like getting kinds of or different kinds of information to the public, I think doesn't happen um, as well as it could. Like I know that the psychology department at UNB, um, a lot of the professors up there do a lot of research around psychology and mental health in the province of New Brunswick. Um, but you get, you're not necessarily hearing a lot about that in the news. You don't often get to hear about the stuff they're doing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my second question was, what are your, um, 
What are positive and negative things about the mental health system of New Brunswick? Okay, so um, so I should note, like, you know, I am a private practice practitioner. So that means that I am completely, in, in many ways, removed from the public system in terms of it being part of the Medicare system. Um, I do still answer to the Minister of Health because my, my profession is regulated by the province. Um, but in that sense, the mental health system I'm involved most with is like the therapy side of things, like people going and getting a counselor or therapist themselves instead of going to the hospital or instead of going to uh, mental health down at the Victoria Health Center here in Fredericton. Um, so I have a lot of positive things to say about like the state of private practice and being able to get access to counselors and therapists in the town in Fredericton. But I do know that like one of the negative things is how the province has responded to the need of these services being covered by um, a publicly funded system. So the fact that, you know, people have to pay often out of pocket or pay for insurance to cover um, mental health care, as opposed to being able to say, go to um, a clinic or go to a, an office space and have that be paid for by the Medicare system. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I know you mentioned that because you are um, uh, in a private practice and like where you work, it's more of a positive, but um, in like n new the New Brunswick health system, a mental health system in general, would you say that you can see more negative than positive or? I, you know, it's a tough question because I see a lot of, um, yeah, I see a lot of negative for sure. Um, around the way that people respond particularly to emergency and crisis situations but there's also i don't know i don't know if i'd say that there's more negative or positive i would say that there's a lot of positive and there's also a lot of negative yeah <laughs> yeah i know yeah um in my opinion both sides are um equal but the negative side just has some more important things on its side and that's why the negative looks like it has so much more just because like the lack of like resources and stuff like that is on the negative side and because um those things outweigh what are on the positive side it looks like there are more negative than there are positive yeah no that's i i hear what you're saying i think it, it, you know the thing about it, like for me i try to like maybe because i'm like old <laughs> you know like I'm not like young anymore, but when I look at it, I just see how long it takes the government to do anything. And so I think I see the negatives, but I still have this hope that they're going to be addressed. I just hate how long it takes. It just takes so long. It's like any changes to take place, they take years and years and years. And I think that's what makes it hard is that maybe there are changes taking place, but they're slow. And that doesn't help people that need help right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my next question was, um, where is the first place p people should go when looking for help? Um, so do you, maybe a question for you, when looking for help, do you mean like urgent crisis care or do you mean more like I need some counseling or therapy? Well, like, um, a lot of people when they have mental health issues don't know who to go to, um, and like just decide to stick to themselves, um, so like kind of both like uh who where would the first place be when um searching for urgent mental health care and where would the first place be when searching for just like 
someone to talk to kind of thing. Okay, sure. Um, so the first, I guess the first thing would be who is the person that would matter. You know, like if you're a student at UMB, um, you'd have UMB counseling services, um, or, or St. Thomas, you know, you go to access things. So a lot of companies, a lot of educational systems have a system in place that is specific to them. So that's always a good first step is to reach out there because it would be covered. It would be free access. Um, that's if it's not urgent. So this is just like basic care. Um, I would also really suggest like if the person can, um, to, to seek out private counseling and therapy, but that's mostly just available again to those with insurance coverage or who come from families where their income can afford it. Um, if it's not urgent, it can't be afforded. Um, I would also though check out places, often places will offer a reduced rate, uh, for those who can't afford it. Uh, they might do some pro bono sessions. Um, so I would use those systems first because um, there's less strain on the system and it's not for urgent care. It's for more longer term work uh, for people to help with their mental health. Um, if you can't do that at all, uh, then I would probably suggest going to the Victoria Health Centre, like mental health and addictions at the Victoria Health Centre here in Fredericton. Um, that's where they can do an intake uh, assessment and they'll place you on a list for access to a public appointed counselor and therapist. So someone that you can see, um, you don't necessarily have the choice in who you see, um, but it's covered by the medical system. So you don't have to pay anything for that, which is a more affordable option. And then if it was urgent, like, like crisis, um, the, for me personally, I think the best local resource would be the mobile crisis unit. Um, they're located, I think they have them in most major cities in New Brunswick. Um, and they're really great. There's usually one social worker, I believe, or maybe even two on duty. Um, and they would come any time of the day or night to a crisis situation to help. Uh, and I don't believe police come with that. So it's, it doesn't involve the police. That's just what my understanding, I might be wrong, but that's what I understand. Um, there's also, of course, you can seek out support lines like Sexual Violence New Brunswick. Their offices are located right here in Fredericton. You can call that line um, after hours and they will help get contact and help people, not just with sexual violence, but with any struggle. And they can also connect people to the mobile crisis unit if they need that help. Um, there's like the Chimo helpline, which I know a lot of people will use if they need something immediate. Um, if you're transgender, there's the trans lifeline. Uh, that people can call that's run by trans people. So, you know, you're going to call someone who can support you and understand you. Um, there's a the kid's help phone. Um, and then there's also the emergency department, uh, which, you know, as you probably know from your research, uh, there, I would say there's a lot of mixed reviews <laughs> about um, the, the, the care people receive there, particularly um, during COVID. It's been, I think, the, the, the healthcare system has been quite overrun. Um, but that is always an option. And I know that was part of the report done um, after Lexi Dakin's death was around how um, they could maybe make that system better. Because uh, maybe right now it's not very good and it's failing in some ways. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, there was actually a few in there that I haven't even heard of myself um, like the for like transgender people. I didn't know they had like a whole other helpline for them and like uh the what was it the victorian helpline oh, the, yeah mental health and addictions at victoria health um down like the, the victoria health building in downtown fredericton i i didn't know that was a thing so that is like 
huge that you brought that up. I will definitely look into that. Um, my next question is, are you aware of the average wait time for people seeking urgent mental health care? So I would say, um, it, I know, I know this sounds like a non-answer, but it really depends on the definition of urgent. So for instance, if someone truly, like if someone's in crisis, like they need help right away, then the mobile crisis unit, there's no wait time. They would be there. So if it's really, really urgent, um, you can get access right away. However, that's not long-term care. That's just a crisis care scenario. If someone's really struggling and they're not in crisis, but they're really, really struggling and it's really affecting them, then it would depend on the system they end up using. So if they go to private healthcare, like private counseling, they might not have to wait at all. If they're going through the public system, they might have to wait a lot longer, depending on their, their symptoms, depending on their you know, what they're struggling with, and that, that would be what they would assess when they do an intake assessment. So it's kind of a mixed bag. Like, if you need really, really urgent crisis care, there is help there. Um, but if, like a lot of people do, struggle with finances, um, don't have money to just spend on private health care, um, then you're going to probably be encountering a wait time. I don't know what the average wait time, though, is right now because I don't work in the, in the public sector. Um, so I'm not sure what that would be. But you could ask the uh, the Victoria Health Center, you could ask them there what the wait time would be like. They would probably have an answer for you. Yeah, perfect. Um, my next question was, um, what precautions are taken when people go in seeking urgent mental health care? So I, I honestly probably, uh, well, not probably, I can't answer this just because I don't have experience with this. Um, like, I've, I've never been a part of that, so I've never seen the precautions that they take. Um, do you ever have to deal with clients that um, have suicidal thoughts or um, you could um, uh, describe as like seeking urgent mental health care? Uh, yes. Um, so, uh, yes. You see, usually, like, you know, usually in private practice, um, if people are in crisis, a private practice setting isn't for crisis or emergency. So if I do see people all, all the time because it's so common, and I think it's important that people know how common it is and, and normal to have suicidal thoughts or to like think about it or to have suicidal ideation, um, that it's not like um, stigmatized as much so people can just reach out and talk about it more. I think that's really important. But I don't usually see people who are like in our immediate danger to themselves. I don't encounter that in private practice really because people coming here um, aren't in that kind of emergency crisis mode, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, do you take any extra precautions when people do tell you that um, they are having suicidal thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think in terms of precautions, the, the, the first thing you do immediately is just take it very seriously um, because it takes a lot of courage to tell someone else that you're struggling. And so if someone was to tell me that that's what they're struggling with, immediately... I would take it very, very seriously and um, give them the space and the opportunity to talk about it in a way where they know they're not going to be judged and that it's okay to talk about it. So, you know, when, when someone talks about something else they're dealing with, like maybe some anxiety that they're having um, at school, that's also very concerning and, and important to talk about, but it maybe doesn't have the same immediate concern. So if someone does bring up suicidal thoughts, I just want them to know, first of all, that like it's a big deal that they did it in the first place because it's so hard to just talk about it. 
can feel so scary. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I know I talked to a lot of people that um, worked in like private practice and um, I hear a lot of the same things where like they treat most of their clients the same way, always um, making sure to like uh, read the cues to make sure no one is like feeling uncomfortable because uh, there are people who don't feel co comfortable enough to um, tell people that they are having suicidal thoughts. So always having to keep that thought in the back of their mind um, and just, like, having to do, like, ha being prepared and, like, um, just always, uh, you know, taking the right steps so then they don't, like, say the wrong thing or things like that. Yeah, um, yeah well, that's such a and, – and I think a lot of people, you know, even myself, I'm mean, still a person even though I'm a therapist and – I think a lot of people struggle with knowing what to say if, if someone tells them that they're having suicidal thoughts. And sometimes, even though well-intended, people can say things that aren't very helpful. You know, like, um, if you did it, you'd hurt me, or, well, you need to think about others. Like, things that make it about the person that maybe loves them, which makes sense because they love them and they don't want to see them um, die. But that's not what people need. Like, what people really need is a space to just talk about it without having to worry about others, just in a space where they can talk about what they're struggling with. So I think it makes sense that a lot of people have a hard time with that, and that's why mental health professionals are so important, because our job and our training is to be pre prepared for that, to take those precautions. Whereas sometimes, like, people out there, even best friends, even though we mean and we want to do our best, sometimes we just don't know what to say. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Were there any... Um, additional protocols implemented after the Lexi Dakin incident? Uh, yeah, so I don't know. I'm not sure if anything was changed. I do know, again, that there, there was the report done um, that was released. I can't remember who did it. Um, but they were released in September demonstrating the things that should change because of what happened with Lexi and how that was handled and not handled well. Um, but I don't know if any of that's been implemented. Have you found anything else about that yourself? Um, I had done a lot of research on this, like, on that question specifically, and honestly, that report was the only thing that really came up, and I have not seen... I do have an interview with an ER nurse, so I'm hoping to get um, some information from that, uh, but honestly, I haven't seen anyone say anything um, about... Uh, like, uh, the protocols that they put in place being actually, um, used and, like, actually changed the workplace. Okay. Um, well, I also... Oh, yeah, sorry. Go ahead, I go ahead. Say too, that I, um, I know, or, you know, I've talked to Lexi's sister, Piper, um, as well about stuff, and, um, I think I asked her that question as well, because you sent me them beforehand, like, has there been any protocols implemented? And I think her answer was sort of yes and no. Um, so it's like, um, actually, they gave me an analogy. I'll, I'll, I'll read it to you. She said, to put it in an analogy, I would describe it as making repairs to the outside of the house with new windows, new siding, and a new roof, shingles, and a beautiful garden out front. But on the inside, it's a complete horror show. So it's sort of like this idea that maybe there's been some things done on the outside, to maybe speed things up, you know, to make it have access to services faster, but maybe the kind of 
more structural work, the more systemic work around changing the healthcare system, because as I was saying earlier, that takes so much time, that might not have happened yet. It's probably just been more like um, getting access to services faster when you're at the hospital, as opposed to having to wait so long in the waiting room. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, did any um, additional pro- were any additional protocols implemented in your place of work specifically? Sorry, can you repeat that question? I just didn't hear that. Um, I since you are like in private practice, I was just wondering if anything, um, if there are any additional protocols that are implemented after the Lexi Dakin incident. Uh, no, I don't think. I mean, not here, just because I don't deal with. I mean. Uh, for me, if I was, you know, if a teen is talking to me about suicide, I think, you know, one of the things that was really missed with Lexi is the seriousness of it. Um, there was a lot of mistakes made and, uh, I think that's important in terms of like that, that we honor her legacy by thinking about how do we make sure we take teenagers in particular who are struggling very seriously um as opposed to sort of dismissing things as like oh you know they're just struggling or oh they're on tiktok and they're hearing all this mental health stuff and they think they're suicidal and like kind of dismissing the concerns i think it's really important that we take them very very seriously so that's something i did before so i don't think it's necessarily been the case because of of what happened with lexi but certainly it makes it more like real when there's when you see the actual impact of what happens when it isn't taken seriously yeah absolutely um was there anything else you'd like to add regarding the mental health system or just like mental health in new brunswick in general i think it's just like for me i would say that it's focusing on that the problems that are that are going on here are the common problems in the rest of the country and also this world we live in is that it's not the problem of an individual or a person is not a problem of like, you know, a nurse or a doctor or even the emergency department in Fredericton. And then it's a larger, larger issue of how we take care of each other in a society and how that gets done with publicly funded money. And I think that that's what's important is sometimes people get caught up in the individuals or the one location and forget that it's a really, really larger systemic issue that if it's not addressed, we will just continue having these conversations. But I also get that that's not an easy problem to solve. I'm glad I'm not having to solve it because <laughs> it would be it would be such a large thing to address. Absolutely, thank you so much. That is all the questions I have. Um, 